talking benefits. 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 Talking. Talking. Talk a little bit about benefits. Yeah, benefits. Talking benefits. You are listening to Talking Benefits. Every month, we cover the top stories in retirement and healthcare, the latest benefits, hot topics, and whatever else the industry throws at us. I'm Justin Held. I'm Ann Patterson. I'm Julie Stick. And I'm Kelly Colesrude. Now let's talk benefits. Well, welcome back, everyone, to our next episode. And our topic this time is telemedicine. And in anticipation of this topic, I decided I finally should sign up for our telemedicine service. I did that just last night in time for flu season. Well, Julie, that is great timing because uh, telemedicine is our topic this month, as you said. And according to our new employee benefits survey, there's been a huge jump in employers offering this service between 2016 and 2018. In 2016, only 31.9% of employers offered this benefit, while in 2018, the number is 53.7%. That's a big jump. And we, yeah, we noticed that significant increase across all of our employment sectors. Well, before we get too far, we should probably define what telemedicine is. I guess the quickest way to define it is to just say that it's the use of technology to deliver healthcare services, usually for non-urgent situations or the management of chronic conditions. Kelly, I've been hearing a lot about telehealth. Is that the same thing as telemedicine? Well, actually, telemedicine is a branch of telehealth, and it's also called virtual health. The broader term telehealth or virtual health includes telemedicine, remote patient monitoring, and mobile health, which includes apps and sensors. Also, when we're talking about telemedicine, it's usually using internet communication or the use of a phone or video conferencing system where either healthcare professionals provided by a third party have access because of a contract between the third party telemedicine provider and an employer, a plan sponsor, or group health plan. There's also the option to have telemedicine with your established doctor and through a patient's own chosen health system if they offer it. So looking at telehealth and telemedicine, there are a number of advantages to offering telemedicine benefits in your organization. First of all is the convenience. These services can be accessed anytime from any place, whether you're traveling or whether you're not even on work hours. Similarly, it expands access and provides in-network coverage no matter where the participant is. And this is especially helpful for rural patients, those with irregular hours, or those who travel frequently. This becomes particularly valuable to many of our International Foundation members who work in construction in the multi-employer sector, who may be at a particular job site for a period of time and then move on to the next one. This also speaks to a statistic from our 2017 wellness study, in which the second largest barrier to wellness and health improvement activities is a dispersed worker population. Well, a couple of other advantages. First of all, it can save money for the plan, and it can also perhaps provide better health outcomes due to more immediate care. And both of these harken back to what uh, Kelly mentioned earlier about using this for non-urgent care. So for example, with telemedicine, it could prevent the need for people who are suffering some sort of an ailment to have to go to urgent care or the emergency room, which are a lot more expensive. But of course, only if that type of service is appropriate for what they're facing. Yeah, that was a good point, Julie. Another pro is that telemedicine can result in more productive workers because it reduces the need to take time off to visit the doctor. Also, employees are less distracted because certain medical concerns can be addressed right away. 
I recently used our telemedicine service in lieu of a quick care clinic. Um, I realized the clinic wouldn't be open until 9 a.m. So I would have sat there waiting for at least 45 minutes based on past experiences and then waited to get my prescription filled. And I would have likely missed about two hours of work. So instead I took five minutes to make a call using the telemedicine service, swung by the pharmacy on my lunch break to pick up the prescription and then I was good to go. So it was pretty slick. And um, another bonus that I just thought of too is that telemedicine eliminates illness spreading among patients and staff in a clinic since patients aren't visiting in person and spreading or exposing themselves to germs. Well, I know when, if I need to go to the clinic, I am often really aware of other people in the waiting room that might, you know, have colds or viruses. And I often sit down in the chairs and don't even touch the arms of the chairs (laughs) for fear of picking up some germs. Uh, Well, I can speak from the flip side. This past winter, I got, you know just laid low with that horrible virus that caused that huge cough. And I kept saying to myself, I know it's a virus. I I won't go in, but I was coughing up a lung. So I went in and I told them I was coughing and they immediately handed me the scary mask and they made me go over into a corner to like register where I wasn't going to be near anyone. So yeah, it's, it's sometimes nice to avoid having to go in and get germs. Not have to be quarantined. Yes. (laughs) So as you've heard, there are many advantages to offering telemedicine benefits, but there are also a few drawbacks that we're going to mention. First of all, it may be difficult to get your participants to utilize the benefit. Past data shows very low utilization rates. According to a study by the National Business Group on Health, only about 20% of these employers report that at least 8% of their employees are using their telemedicine services but they could be growing gradually. And secondly, uh, not all workers may have the adequate access to technology. Well, and since it involves uh, a benefit plan, there, there can be legal and regulatory barriers. For example, state licensing requirements for healthcare providers may interfere with a third-party telemedicine provider offering service to a patient in a different state. Also, if a telemedicine program isn't integrated with the group health plan and it's offered on a standalone basis, it may be subject to the requirements of ERISA, COBRA, and even ACA. And then, of course, there's HIPAA privacy and security requirements. They need to be considered. And anytime you add another source that needs to store and transmit protected health information, that adds another layer of risk for breaches. And finally, employers who adopt a telemedicine program alongside a high-deductible health plan need to be sure that they don't accidentally disqualify their covered employees from health savings account eligibility. A telemedicine benefit could be considered a disqualifying coverage if, for example, the employer pays a portion of the telemedicine consultation or if the participant pays less than fair market value for that consultation before meeting their high deductible health plan deductible. So it's always a good idea to consult your plan attorney when you're going to set up a telemedicine program, just like you would with any other benefit plan. Good advice. Um, There's a couple of other drawbacks. For example, if the telemedicine service involves a third-party provider, like Kelly mentioned earlier, that could uh, result in a less personal interaction and relationship building between patients and doctors. Of course, if you're using the other model where it's um, communication between a patient and their own physician, this 
can actually enhance a relationship. And uh, lastly, there could be an increased risk of medical errors. This could be offset by limits on the types of illnesses that are treated via telemedicine. So usually it's a good service for things like if you've got the flu or a cough or some dizziness or a rash or skin injury or something like that where it's a little easier to treat over an electronic communication. After the break, we will hear from Mary Bradley, Director of Healthcare Planning at Pitney Bowes. Kelly chatted with Mary about offering telemedicine to her 10,000 active employees and 5,000 retirees, so stay tuned. Healthcare is constantly changing and evolving. Keep up to date on the latest industry trends and cutting edge practices at the Health Benefits Conference and Expo happening January 28th through January 30th, 2019. Learn more and register at hbce.com. Hi, everyone. I'm here today with Mary Bradley from Pitney Bowes. Mary, could you maybe just introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. At Pitney Bowes, I'm the director of the U.S. Healthcare Strategy, which um, gives me responsibility for our active and retired employees. We're about um, 10,000 active employees in the U.S. and another 5,000 retirees. Very good. We're here today to talk about telemedicine. So why did you decide to offer telemedicine to your employees? That's a great question to start with. And actually, we look at it as telehealth because what intrigued me was the um, fact that it's a technology and a communication platform which can be used for multiple purposes. So, for example, Pitney Bowes has a lot of in-house resources that are confined to um, mostly Connecticut as well as our call centers in, in two states because that's where we have enough of our population um, residing where it makes sense to invest in in-house resources. But they do such good work that um, we always thought it was unfortunate that they couldn't be shared with the rest of our employees around the country. And we do um, typically have employees in, in every state across the country. So this concept of a, a telehealth platform gave us the capability of, of sharing those on-site clinicians and our dietitians across our population in the U.S. So they're able to utilize the virtual visit platform and extend their reach outside of the four walls where they reside. So it was really more than just a connection to a network of physicians that are available 24 by 7, although that's certainly an attractive um, concept as employees try to manage their time away from work that's typically needed to access our healthcare system. Do they actually have the 24-7 access to healthcare professionals? They do have access to 24 by 7 healthcare providers through the um, supplier that manages the telehealth platform, but we are able to round out the services with that portal or telehealth platform by putting free resources that Pitney Bowes either has in-house or that we've contracted with. Okay, excellent. So how long have you offered telehealth? We actually launched in April of 2014 for these Pitney Bowes resources, 
and the physician network. And then we added behavioral health providers just this January of 2018. And what's been your experience with offering telehealth to your employees? Employees love the convenience of the virtual visits, which is no surprise to anyone. But our our clinicians, our on-site clinicians, also take full advantage of the virtual visit and are able to connect with our agile workforce, you know, to follow up on visits. So they may have done a a physical visit as somebody is in the office, but then they follow up with a virtual visit. They use a platform for chronic disease education, smoking cessation, consultation on biometric screenings, and things like that. That sounds great. So what kind of utilization rates have you seen? So the answer is going to sound like it's pretty low because I think um, in general the benchmarks for the usage of a uh, telemedicine platform are are pretty low. And there's um, two components when you talk about utilization. The first is what percent of your population has actually enrolled. And then the second would be the visits that your population is actually experiencing. So by the end of 2014, so the first nine months of the platform being available, we had 7% of our employees that enrolled and we had about 12% utilization. So we do have a phenomena where we have people coming back for multiple visits. And part of that might be the usage by our on-site clinicians where they do follow-up visits with our employees using the platform. Now in 2018, we have about 18% of our employees enrolled, and the visit utilization is up to 29% we have about 30% of the utilization um, being rendered by those in-house resources. How did you achieve that, or how did you promote it so that your employees would use it? We did a lot of initial communication, a series of emails. We also sent postcards home because, as you would suspect, that um, families with small children find this to be very convenient to be able to do that virtual visit from home versus bringing the kids into the physician's office. We also do on-site promotion. So our clinicians, several times a year, will do on-site promotion and actually sign people up. So they, um, sounds a little bit hokey, but they actually will set up in front of our cafeterias and make sure people understand that this is available and then literally help them uh, sign up on the website. That sounds like a good approach. So what do you view as the pros and cons of offering telehealth? Clearly, the convenience is a big plus. The, The cost is excellent as well because right now the way it's priced is that it is um, significantly cheaper than a a physical visit to a primary care physician. Um, It's even a bit cheaper than a um, convenience care clinic and, as you well know, is much cheaper than an urgent care center and, you know, never mind the emergency room visit. It's been great, as I mentioned, as a platform to connect to multiple resources. Employees that have utilized the physician network really love it and have really done a lot of testimonials, which we also use to try to promote the uh, resource. The concerns would be what anybody would have, which is the fragmentation of care delivery. So that's why I think it's an important channel that 
provider system should actually explore and promote more, so actually launching their own connection so they can um, have that EMR information available when members call in for a virtual visit. I, I just think it's a great use of technology to expand access to care. You mentioned you added behavioral health this year. What prompted you to do that, I guess, first of all, and then how has that been going? So what prompted us to do it is um, similar to the concerns people have of accessing a medical provider, but in in particular with behavioral health, we all know that the um, lead time necessary to get a visit with a psychiatrist in particular is, is very long. And so as you have people that have reach the point where they're ready to access some help with their um, behavior issues. It's a shame that they have to endure a long wait to get that appointment. So I think it made real sense to improve the access to behavior health care. Unfortunately, we haven't had a visit yet. So I think it's, it's a concept that just is going to take some time and some continuous marketing for people to remember you know, when they're ready to access care, that this might be a viable resource for them. So in closing, what tips would you offer to others who want to offer telehealth to their employees? Um, I just think to give some careful thought about the connections that you want to make for your employees. If it's just a network of physicians or even behavioral health providers, it's possible that your own health plan already offers that and you you know you may have what you need already but on the other hand if it's a portal where you can give access to a variety of professionals like pharmacists and wellness coaches and navigators then it might be a great investment and um, you know worth exploring and then once you make that decision and find the appropriate supplier then really market it like crazy and make it very easy for folks to connect Sounds like good advice. Well, thank you, Mary Bradley, for joining us today. And we really appreciate you taking the time to give us your perspective and share your experience with telehealth. You're quite welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Kelly, for doing that interview with Mary. It was really, really interesting. And Mary covered a couple of ways to improve telemedicine utilization within your organization. But as a reminder, here are some things you can do. You can look at your existing provider networks to see if some providers already offer telemedicine options within their practices. And if not, consider linking with local providers who do offer such a service or contracting with a third-party provider. And a second tip, as the foundation research guru, I'm a big fan of statistics. Uh, so consider a staff survey to see if that's something that your participants would use. Once adopted, you can arrange a staff meeting to announce the service. I know when we introduced our telemedicine program here at the International Foundation, our HR department covered um, tips like how to register with the provider, the type of technologies it's going to be using. So is it texting? Is it FaceTiming? Is it just a, a phone call? the type of healthcare services available, qualifications and privacy policies of the telehealth providers to increase worker confidence in using the system. They have to know that their information is confidential so that they can feel comfortable. And then the worker's financial responsibility, you know, the co-pays and other fees that they might be charged with. And we didn't do this, but we thought it might be helpful to also set up a demo call to make employees more comfortable with the process, actually seeing it in action. 
Well, and of course, it's essential to follow up that meeting with regular communications to remind workers. Like Mary said, you have to market it like crazy. It might be even helpful to include testimonials or satisfaction data if possible. Mm -hmm. Also, creating a private space for employees to conduct their calls and interactions with providers is important. Um, We work in a very open office space. So I felt a little weird ducking into a conference room that had many windows when I made the call, even though I knew no one could hear me. As I mentioned earlier, it's important that employers and plan sponsors consider the legal and compliance issues related to telemedicine and ensure that the privacy policies and quality of care, the providers and technology, all of that are adequate. It's also important to be aware of any tax ramifications. That's why it's always a good idea to involve your plan attorney. And finally, uh, consider mental health telemedicine, which is sometimes called telepsychology, in addition to medical telemedicine benefits. According to our forthcoming 2018 survey on mental health benefits, more than one half of respondents offer outpatient treatment sessions with a medical professional via text, email, phone, or mobile app. Uh, And this is also a benefit that is consistent across all of our employment sectors. So what is the future of telemedicine? Certainly telemedicine is not new, but interest in it continues to grow. Some experts believe that the broader concept of telehealth or virtual health has reached a tipping point for a few reasons. For example, there is wider access to improved technology, as we all know. We, we all have smartphones, we use the internet constantly, we wear wearable devices. This means people are more comfortable with using technology. They have access to it, it's easier to use, and they're comfortable. Also, there have been state law changes to accommodate the use of telehealth and to promote payment parity. And there has been an expansion of covered services and an expansion of payer types, including employers, plan sponsors, and government programs like Medicaid. Thank you, Julie. Well, that'll wrap up this episode. We'd like to give a shout out to Mary Bradley, our interviewee. We appreciate you taking the time to offer your interesting perspective on telemedicine. Thank you all for listening. We're taking a break next month, but we'll be back in November. If you like what you hear, please rate us on iTunes. It helps others find the podcast. And subscribe to it in iTunes, the Apple Podcasting app, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you prefer so that our episodes will automatically appear on your mobile device. Today's program is copyrighted in 2018 by the International Foundation of Employee Benefit Plans, all rights reserved. The opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and not to be used as legal counsel.